the number of new companies being founded in the last 10 years to provide data and analytics is very impressive. But innovation didn't suddenly begin in 2010, of course. Many more well-established companies are also continuing to find new ways to assess and manage risk, and they wouldn't have survived this long if they didn't have a strong client base. Now, Gamma, our guest for this podcast, is one of these. And as we'll hear from Richard Gary in a moment, the company has developed a very clear view of what problems it's solving for these clients to help them make underwriting decisions. We covered Gamma and other similar companies that are collating sources of data from third parties and, where necessary, enhancing or building their own data in our recent location intelligence report. You can download that from the website and you'll find details in the episode notes. Now, it can be hard sometimes for new companies and insurtechs that are focused on only one source of data to get the scale and momentum needed to sell that data and get in front of insurance organizations. So companies like Gamma are one of a few that are offering another way to get in front of insurance by bringing together data from third parties as well as their own. Matthew Grant here. Welcome again. Or if you found us, welcome for the first time. Thanks to all of you that have been in contact. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Please do keep those messages coming in. You can contact me on LinkedIn or via hello at instec.london. Now let's hear from Richard Gary. Richard, really pleased to have you on the call. Been fascinating getting to know Gamma better since you joined us as a corporate member and uh, you are what we call these days mature tech been around a long time since before InsureTech, but are doing some really interesting things with data analytics and you were founded in Dublin Ireland in 1993 and today you're providing location related data to insurers uh, and also I know you've got another set of clients we'll be talking about as well but insurers are using you for making underwriting decisions at the point of sale both in Ireland and in the UK, your commercial director. You've been there since 1998, uh, which I think is 23 years. And as we can tell from the website, and it's always great to see companies where you, their clients are willing to talk about the relationship. You've got a really strong set of clients there. So looking forward to hearing a bit more about those. But um, welcome. Thanks. Delighted to be here. Can you just talk about what, what is the problem that insurers have that they're coming to Gamma to help solve? It's understanding what the issues are with property-based risk. Is it prone to flooding? What's the land like? Could there be subsidence? Um, is there fire risk associated with it, whether that's building fire risk or wildfire from the environment around it, um, or even crime? So th- there's lots of environmental factors that uh, insurers are interested in. That's really where we can help them. And the way this works is this is when a submission is coming in, presumably either from a broker or direct in some cases to your insurance clients. And then they're using the gamma data to make a decision. But what, what kind of decisions are they making you know, when that risk is coming in? Is this about pricing or is it about risk selection or, or something else? Both, really. Um, they want to understand, um, well, if it's a low level risk, then they can adjust that and, and, and adjust their pricing accordingly. Um, or if it's a severe risk, they may not want to actually uh, write that piece of business uh, at all. Um, so the, the information that we supply allows them to make those decisions on their side. Okay. And so it sounds like it's quite hands-on for the underwriter, but are there, are there also sort of automated approaches companies are taking where they're looking at your data and they're sort of doing automatic declines or automatic referrals? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of it's done through APIs at this stage. Um, so that they would just call up, send through um, a, a location code, a UPRN, an address, uh, um, a postcode, and then we would return the information and, and it's all done behind the scenes. In some cases, they actually want to go in, maybe a high value property or, um, or there's some referral issue with the, with the location. And then they can visualize that within our Peril Finder platform. Great. We'll come back and talk about Peril Finder in a minute. Now, I heard the acronym UPRN, which I think is Unique Property Reference Number. That's exactly what it is. So it's, it's an ID number created by the Ordnance Survey for each property. You can link in building attributes, but also that links to the location of the property as well. And then you can use those coordinates to, to pinpoint the risk. So you've got an application for insurers, which you, you mentioned there. And then you're now also offering a solution for MGAs that is, is this a derivative, maybe slightly simpler product from Peril Finder, which I think is your core product. Is that right? Peril Finder is our enterprise level platform, which uh, where we store all of the data and allow our clients to access it. So the data being flood information, substance crime, all the data sets we talked about earlier and, and data from multiple suppliers. So that sits within Peril Finder. And the, the user can either access that data through the APIs or through a user interface. That user interface, I suppose, being a, a map, map-based uh, view, but also has built-in RAG scoring, um, accumulations, etc. Then there's a simplified version of it for MGAs to allow them to get to making the decision, I suppose, as quickly as possible. There's a lot of functionality within it. We don't necessarily want the user to get bogged down in that. We want them to be able to get through put in the information and get out the answer as quick as possible. You don't necessarily want all of your users spending a lot of time moving around a map and wasting time in that. I want to come back to that map point just yeah. in a minute, but just before we move on, so RAG, red, amber, green, so that's your sort of traffic light scoring system, isn't it? RAG scoring is a simplified way of interpreting the data. Green being, yeah, everything's good to go, don't worry about it, uh, move on. Which are quote um, amber? Okay, we might need to spend a little bit more time looking at this. And then red is where the score has been set at a level where the insurer has a risk appetite, and this is beyond that. And it sounds like just your last point there: the insurers can tailor that to their own requirements and their own underwriting rules. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So we we would have a standard set out of the box. If someone doesn't want to spend a lot of time tweaking them, we'd advise them on um, these are relatively standard in the industry although is there a standard i don't know but they can also customize those yeah and i'm sure it's more dynamic these days depending on what their portfolio looks like or changes in risk but i do want to come yeah. back to that point you just made at the very end about mapping so you made a comment there which i actually tend to agree with which is sometimes the mapping functionality is maybe oversold or maybe over overweight in terms of how organizations use it so you said underwriters don't want to be i think playing around in a map or something but can you just talk about you know the use of maps versus just the raw data from a sort of practical point of view for an underwriter we're biased in that we're historically a gis a geographic information system company so we love maps and we think they should be in everything but they shouldn't necessarily be the center point of every decisions that that's made so if you want to assess a property, sometimes it's best not to go and look at a map, just to put in the location, get back to scores. If it's green all the way in terms of those rag scores, that's fine, move on. 
where the map comes in is that if you want to explore that location in a little bit more detail, maybe zoom in, zoom out, do we have lots of other policies around that location? Would they be affected? The other things you might want to overlay different types of risk. So in terms of flooding, you can have an accumulated or a combined score. So that's you combine everything from coastal to flash flooding to river flooding. You can put in those separate layers and then make decisions by actually visualizing it as well. You don't necessarily want all of your users spending that amount of time on a map interface. So you need to be selective in terms of who who actually gets to use that. It's back to that sort of triage of the risk, isn't it, where if it's referred or if there's a sort of concern about something in certain peril regions. I mean, a lot of insurers ask, how far away are you from water? And that you know, that can mean different things depending on how high up you are relative to the water and all sorts of things. And then you've got a pretty impressive list of clients on your website. I and mean, I, I found AXA, Aviva, Allianz, Zurich, Liberty Mutual, and they've got some MGAs in there as well. Well, first of all, you know, congratulations for getting your clients to agree to have their name on the website because that's often a challenge for organizations. I guess you've been around long enough. They're less worried about you not, not being there in the future. But are, are there any specific case studies or, or clients examples that you can talk about just to sort of bring to life how people are working with you? One of our main areas of focus is really on geocoding. And we've, we've talked a lot about the accuracy of uh, the, the quality of the, the various data sets that we use within the platform. But actually pinpointing where the risk is is one of the most important things because it doesn't matter really how great the models are. If you put the risk at the wrong location, um, you're going to get back the, the wrong scores. One recent win was with MGA Mutual. They wanted access, flood, subsidence and crime data and make that available for their, their cover holders to quote and for themselves. All going well. And then more broadly, in terms of who you work with versus where you choose to build your own data, I know you've got some really strong partners out there. You announced a partnership with Metswift recently for meteorological data for windstorm and wildfire. Can you talk a little bit about how do you think about your partnership strategy and to the extent you're selecting one partner for a certain peril or looking at multiple different partners that you can provide choices to your clients we're looking at Parafinder as a platform that we can have as much data as possible in there um, from our from our data partners and to give choice to the, the clients as well. So now we, we want the data to be good quality, so we assess it and we work with our partners to really understand what's what's in their data set. Then we, we try to inform our clients as to uh, so they can make the right decisions for them. But we're always open to new partners as well. Anyone that's got data we're interested in in looking at it, assessing it, and, and having it available to our clients. He's mentioned validate in there or assess. It sounds like you're doing a little bit of quality control as well. It's as much for ourselves as for the client. We want to understand the data so that um, it's trusted both by ourselves and, and by the client, yeah. What are the areas where you're seeing a, a lack of good data or what is happening in the, whether it's in the sort of the environment, the climate, other areas, the the risks are changing, but the data isn't yet there to help underwriters. We have lots of good quality flooding data, substance data. Crime was one area actually where we felt that there was a bit of a gap in it. Um, so we actually had to do some work ourselves and build out that model. Um, sort of specifically around arson and criminal damage and burglary. But now we have that for the, the whole of the UK and Ireland. 
we're obviously working with MetSwift at the moment, who have the uh, windstorm model, low temperature models, and rainfall. And climate change is a big thing as well. So I don't know, we probably get on to talk about that, but that's certainly something that needs to be factored into to all of these models. Yeah, I mean, wildfire looks like it potentially could be a pretty big issue for the UK and Ireland. You can sort of learn some lessons from what's happening in other countries, but each country is slightly unique. So am I guessing if there's people out there with good wildfire data, they should be talking to you about adding that into the, what you've got to offer? Metswift are filling um, that gap to, to, to a certain extent, and we're, we're talking to them about a wildfire model. They, they've been quite good at predicting fires in the US, Australia, and even in Siberia, actually. It just goes to show that things are changing as the land dries out, as buildings encroach into um, heavily forested areas. There'll be more and more risk of wildfire, so we just need to be aware of that, yeah. Yeah, and I think certainly more perils to come. And what about organizations that are not currently providing data into insurance companies? I think one of the things we're starting to see outside of the world of insurtech is large corporations that have got good data, good client relationships, but haven't traditionally thought about offering that into insurance. And I know we'll talk in in a minute. You've got another side of the business that actually taps into some of that. But are you able to help organizations that might come to you with, with data in a kind of raw state and help them make it into a form that can be used by insurance companies? Absolutely. I'm always keen to talk to anyone that's got data. While insurance is our big area, um, our biggest sector, we do work in, in other areas, retail, telcos, and actually retrofit as well. So there's lots of data in different, I suppose, companies or different suppliers to individual sectors. And we're always keen to talk to them as well, because there could be some cross, I suppose, pollination between one area and the insurance sector. So I got retail telcos. I don't think I got the third one. Retrofit. So retrofitting houses to make them more um, efficient. So um, they may want to put solar panels. They might want to insulate the houses. So there's a lot of information that that sector needs to make those decisions. And actually, a lot of that data is um, applicable in insurance as well. So um, how is it built? When was it built? All of that kind of information is, is of interest in both sectors. Are you seeing a bit of crossover then from the data you're collecting from those sources that they can then be used to either provide better data into insurance, right? And presumably there's even a potentially insurance link if somebody is retrofitting a building and enhancing the value of the property and adding solar panels, that becomes insurable asset that could then itself be a kind of form of embedded insurance is it do you get involved at that level we haven't got it at that at that level yet um it's more the primary data sourcing and um uh, and manipulation that's really our area but there's loads of crossover between the sectors i think in terms of what we do with telcos it's actually very similar as i was thinking about it uh, to what we do in insurance understanding where the potential client lives will dictate, I suppose, what products they can access. So are they in a 4G or a 5G area? What kind of broadband can they get? If they're not in a 5G area, there's no point in selling them a 5G ready phone. So similar things to insurance, um, it, you can tailor the product offering based on the location. And then you mentioned climate change or climate variability in passing, but now that there's increasing focus or even requirement on ESG, so environmental, societal governance, reporting by companies and something that insurance companies have maybe been a little bit behind other 
financial services businesses. But I'm assuming, well, I mean, I know I, that the extent to which these companies are using tools like yours, also the data as well, is pretty material in terms of how can they report on their, certainly the e-side of their ESG activities and demonstrating you know, best practices and improvements over time. Is that explicitly something you're seeing as, as a driver for the business or is that still a bit further out there? There's great data out there now um, on climate change. It's just a matter of tweaking it for for the regulators and the regulators to, to actually decide which scenarios they want to focus on. But yeah, the, 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 the data is there. Um, and we'll be bringing that into our platform as and, and when it becomes available. One other thing you're up to is you've got a, a product, I think you've now released it, called Address Link, which is like building level data for the UK. Can you just sort of talk about how that works compared to Peril Finder or independently of Peril Finder maybe? It's to create a, uh, a database of all the building attributes so that and link that to the UPRN that we talked about earlier so that clients in, in insurance but other sectors can access this data as well. So uh, we're building that out at the moment. We hope to be launching it in the next few months. So um, we'll be back to talk to you about that at that stage. It's using everything from, well, I suppose primary source data, satellite imagery, but also uh, filling in the gaps as much as possible with the AI and machine learning. Well, hopefully you can physically come and tell us about it because we'll be opening up for live events in the autumn and we have a quite a, an active uh, set of people coming over from Dublin. We used to have come over from Dublin for our events. So uh, it'd be great, Richard, if you can come along and join us on stage and tell us what you're up to once it's been released later in this year, all being well. Absolutely. Yeah. No, really looking forward to actually being able to get out and meet people again. So yeah, the autumn sounds good. I'll be, I'll be on a plane over. And, and on that point about the sort of Dublin community, are you tapped into what I know is a fairly active sort of innovation, sort of startup community? I mean, you can't, you're not really a startup anymore. We're not a startup anymore, but you're doing some things that are quite innovative with data analytics. So do you pick up on some of the, the energy and the activity that's going on around Dublin? We do, yeah, yeah, both, both during the day and in our work life and, and in the evening to pick up on all that energy as well. There's a startup hub quite near us, so we'd have a lot of dealings with um, with companies there in insurance, but other sectors as well. Looking forward to getting back in and actually meeting people and certainly getting over to uh, to see you guys as well. Yeah, no, I think it'll be a burst of uh, adrenaline and energy and enthusiasm. Everybody wants to you know, get back together again and start sharing some ideas, not just yeah. not just remotely. And then we're delighted to have you as a member of Instat London. Can you just say a few words about what it was that motivated you to to join us as a member? It was probably down to all the presentations we were watching online and the the content. We were attending so many of the webinars, we said, look, these guys seem to know what they're doing. We better get involved. We started looking through who was talking at the, the webinars and, and who was attending as well. So, yeah, it was a, it was a simple decision. Excellent. Well, hopefully we'll see you back in London soon. Looks like we're ramping up for our summer party at the end of July if, uh, if things stay on course with opening up. And as I said, definitely back into the autumn anyway. So, again, thank you for your support, and I'll let you get on with your day. That's great. Thanks very much, Matthew. 
Well, that's it for today. All being well, Robin will be back in the hot seat next week whilst I'm out trying to find some sun. And if you're wondering why so many great companies around the world are joining us at Instech London as part of our network and corporate members, and you too want to get access to our reports, then email us at hello at instech.london. But still lots of free and great content on the website, www.instech.london as well.